This is the A to Z podcast. Zach Jackson, Andre Knott. Facebook.com slash A to Z podcast. A to Z podcast.com. At Akron Jackson, at Dre Knott on most of your favorite social media platforms. Shouts as always to Scene, to the Honeymoon Grill, to American Fireworks for helping to make this happen. Shouts to you guys for helping it grow, for sticking with us. Uh, if you're new here, first, welcome. Second, uh, we get excited. We say four-letter words. We venture into immature subjects. So if any of that's not for you, if you're in a work environment or if there are kids around, either go to your earbuds or come back and listen to A to Z at another time. Oh, what a time, Andre. What a time in Man, this world. Man, with, stop with that bullshit. 2020 kids because it. They allow it. Trust me. I got virtual <laughs> school in my house. I'm surprised my kids ain't told me to F off. <laughs> what a time what a, Hey man, you can't even enjoy Victory Monday Without having Cancel Tuesday <laughs> No, you, you just don't know um, We are recording this, guys Tuesday afternoon uh, About 90 or so minutes ago Maybe two hours, I don't know uh, Ohio State, Michigan was officially canceled Which, in the scope of things And if you followed, is not all that surprising um, Maybe not surprising Hardly at all, but still jarring that you're going to have a football season, as strange as this football season is, and there's not going to be an Ohio State-Michigan game. Yeah. I mean, there's on one hand, yeah, it's sad that it's not going to happen, but really we're sitting around, and, and for the people that are angry, Zach, I mean, it was going to be 72-3. to three. In the whole realm of things, I mean – you know, yesterday, and I told the story on the radio, you know, we, we, we went on a walk, and we were talking about Christmas and birthdays and everything else with the kids. And AJ was talking about how different his birthday was this year compared to, you know, the previous five that he's had. My daughter's birthday is the day after Christmas. And I guess after going through eight months of, of what we've gone through, they both realize she realizes her birthday party won't be like it usually is, and Christmas won't be like it usually is. And she just was like, it sucks. Um, she was like, I can't wait till this crap is over. And her mom's eyes got real big, big and I started laughing because I was surprised she didn't say that. I can't wait till this shit is over. So crap <laughs> wasn't that bad to me. <laughs> Even though that's not a word that he really has used in our household, and I've never heard my daughter say it, I totally patted her on the back and said, you're right, this is crap. And, and we explained to her that, yeah, 2020 has been a bunch of crap. And regardless, we're going to get better from it. We're going to grow from it. And Jen said it very well to, to Isabella. She was like, look, this is a year that nobody's going to forget. There's things that have been done this year that have never happened before to any of us. There's things that have happened this year that have never happened before. And with, if we have civil minds and we respect each other, hopefully by, you know, by this time next year we'll be back to some normalcy and we'll get things that we're not used to having. But there's no use in crying and bitching and moaning about the crap we're going through. It's just crap. So I take that conversation to Michigan-Ohio State. I know they played for 100-plus years. I know all the history. I mean, I... I I don't know many people that love football more than I do or love rivalries more than I. Um, but I really don't give a shit that they're not playing on Saturday. As a matter of fact, between you and I, I'm pretty sure we're going to see Ohio State play on Saturday. I would rather have a conversation right now with you about who they're going to play on Saturday and okay. who I'd like to see them play on Saturday. I mean, it's fine. I get it. And, like, and, when her, and obviously Herbie made comments a couple weeks back. And, and what sucks in our day and time, especially when you have a microphone in front of you, and Zach is very – you very well have stated this to me for many years. Before we did this podcast, after we've done this podcast and during, the more you tweet, the more you talk, the more opportunity you have a chance to put your foot in your mouth, right? Yeah. And Kirk Herbstreit didn't say anything. I mean, he like, and that's the problem with your Kirk Herbstreit. Like, he should be able to make a, a tongue-in-cheek you know, tongue joke 
about Michigan not wanting to play this game and it not turn into he's got to apologize and all this other shit. Yeah. But in PC America, that's where we're at. Because, like, you know, as I told somebody on Twitter and then I walked away, like, come on, guys. Michigan's in a bad place. They're, you know, Harbaugh's an idiot. I'm not a fan of his at all. I hope his khakis get stuck up his crack and he never can crack again. But you really think they're avoiding getting his ass kicking? These kids, like, kids don't no. know any better. No, players go to Michigan or Ohio State to play in this game, right? They're not right. running from it. Right. So, right. So when we start blaming and saying they're ducking Ohio State, shut up. That's stupid. That, that, I, like, that's what bothers me in these moments and times. There is no way in hell, hell those kids in Ann Arbor got sick or, or fudging the numbers so they can avoid going to Columbus. That's a bullshit thought process. Don't, don't, don't. Yeah, no, that is. Um, as for the Herb Street thing, like, I was watching it live and – the shock value was minimal. Like right. he didn't say anything out of ordinary. And and then Reese Davis, I thought did a great job and went to him and said, or not out of ordinary, out of school. Right. Um, Reese Davis did a great job, went back and said, let's clarify. So I, I guess I understand, but you know, I, I guess he, he, he towed the line. He, he went an inch over the line of making an accusation. Right. Yeah. Um, but he said the facts, and that's that. I just want to say two things about this game. One, a long time ago when I was young and working for the Browns, I talked to a scout who basically said, you know, 99% of the time with Ohio State, Michigan guys, but by now we know about them. By now we have our feel for them. He said, but you always turn that tape on at the end of the year because yeah. if a guy's not bringing it in that game, then you don't want him to start with. You know, he just True talked that. about the level that's expected there. And I can tell you, I didn't grow up an Ohio State fan. Obviously, I grew up with the rivalry and appreciating it and, you know, remember the magical moments. But I didn't grow up involved in it, right, with parents that were alumni or being a huge fan of of either side. But you waited for it, right? And as numb as I am to things, as cynical as I am about things, I can tell you the three or four Ohio State-Michigan games that I covered in person, it always felt different. It just did. Yeah. Um, Urban Meyer taking those teams into the big house where they were the big favorites and the guys flipping the double birds, right? And Michigan's going for two. Um, hell, even going back to the year that Ohio State wasn't good when Braxton was a true freshman and they mm-hmm. should have won the game. Like, that's that's what it was about, right? So it's changed in recent years because Ohio State has hit the turbos and Michigan hasn't been able to keep up. Um, that's not an indictment on – Michigan football, frankly, even though they've not been able to keep up, it's not an indictment on the history of the rivalry. It's just disappointing here, um, you know, as a consumer of football. And yeah. I, I would spin it forward by by saying this. I do want to address who they should play or what, what could happen. Um, let us keep in mind that the Big Ten was the very first ones to say that we're not going to play, we can't play this year. And we all know <laughs> – that that changed for one reason, and that's the peer pressure that those other conferences and schools were going to get their money and the Big Ten was going to lose on theirs. So thank you. we've thank all you. Thank you. been under the understanding that things are going to be different this year. The games are going to have to be scheduled uh, on four days' notice, and last week Coastal and BYU hit the jackpot, and that – you know, there's going to be. Still, is Dustin Fox still in Myrtle Beach growing out a? Uh, <laughs> I, pro- a I hope so. For one, I hope so. <laughs> <laughs> you ain't half of Akron and half of Cleveland. <laughs> 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 he's, gr- he's just growing out a mullet, stand down there. 
so throwing that out because anybody that signed up for this, you know, kind of signed up for that. But I just cannot take if anyone tries the high horse or second guess or whatever. First of all, Ohio State has long played by different rules than 97% of the other programs, but that's facts. Secondly, like, of course the Big Ten has to bend the rules to get Ohio State in a playoff, get them in the best situation. I don't know what that is. Andrea, I know we want to talk about it two hours after we record it, maybe two minutes, maybe certainly two days, something will be resolved. Maybe this part of the conversation will be moot. But of course the Big Ten has to do it because it's right. There's one Big Ten team that can win the national championship, Ohio State. That doesn't mean they will. It doesn't mean that they're favored. That doesn't mean that they don't have flaws, and we don't know because they played four freaking games, right? But the Big Ten and college football need Ohio State in that playoff. And right now in this time window, the last couple hours, the next couple hours, couple days, whatever, whatever they have to do to make that happen, they have to do. And there should be no bitching or no second-guessing of that. Well, okay, let's put, I want to pause on something, but you, where you're at. The Big Ten needs Ohio State to play in one of the last games, so all that money can go to all the Big Ten schools. Yes, let, that's let, how let, it like, works. Let, And that's why they're playing. Like, let's, so let's be honest, right? And in and, and reality, the, you know, we can go back and forth on when they started, when they didn't start. I felt like they screwed up by not starting. To me, you got to stick to your guns. Play spring football if that was really what you thought you were going to do. Um, they got caught with their pants down. Obviously, they should have started at the right time. They got embarrassed because the SEC and everybody else was playing. Cincinnati was playing, and they're less than two hours from Ohio State's campus. That was embarrassing it, it, because everybody else was playing, and they weren't. Now, everybody wants to blame the commissioner. I think you're an idiot for that if you really think one man has that much power. We've had that conversation on this podcast. And let's be honest, the Big Ten played football after they said they weren't going to play football. In my opinion, Zach, it wasn't for Indiana, Iowa, Illinois, Purdue, Michigan State, Michigan. Um, Never was. Year, no offense. It was for Ohio State to be able to be one of the top four teams so they could have all that money that comes from TV revenue that goes back to all those schools I just talked about. So everybody take a chill pill. No, they're not going to play Michigan, but they're going to play this weekend. And then they're going to go to Indianapolis so they can get that Big Ten Fox money. And then they're going to go somewhere and play on New Year's Eve. And hopefully they win that and they play the other one. So, I mean, this is all about money, Zach. There's no amateurism anymore. There's no – and so for fans to act out of that – and here's the one thing i got to say. A lot of us – I want to be careful how I say this. I know we all care, and I know we have our different reasons for caring. I wish we would put more emotion and time into actually giving a shit and caring about the kids that are playing this game, that are actually giving up their time, the kids that haven't seen their families and their parents and – and have actually tried to bubble themselves up so they can play every game they can. I feel bad for the student athletes because they've been shit on, they've been used and abused. Uh, the, the, all the athletic directors are still making their millions of dollars. All the coaches are still putting the, the millions of dollars in their pocket. And we're still shitting on the amateur athlete that we're all crying about won't be able to play a game in Columbus against Michigan on Saturday. No doubt. Um the, these times are strange and they're difficult and you're right. No one cares. Um, everybody wants it on TV and, <laughs> and it being on TV is what drives the model. Right. And it's why the model is right. ancient because um, TV is pumping millions and millions and millions more than ever was before. And not much of it is getting to the athletes, right? It's going to the coaches and the administrators. Um, 
you know, I understand on multiple levels why college football games sometimes need to be scheduled nine years in advance and certainly nine months in advance at minimum. However, I think we've seen that, like, it can be done. I think we've seen that if lightning strikes in a certain place, it can be done and create excitement, create betterment for the game, create opportunities for yeah. these kids, right? And, like, for if sure. I'm paying a fucking coach $5 million, like, yeah, I he need – coach. Yeah, well, I need <laughs> checks and balances. I need administrators that he answers to and that keep him in check and, and all that stuff. But, I mean, if he has to pick up the phone and schedule a game for his team or he has to pick up the phone and alter the bus schedule or the hotel schedule for his team, then he has to fucking do that. Well, I don't need 17 employees to do that, right? Like, right, right. Like, right. let's all put on our big boy pants here. And, and this is sucked. Like, Kent State's season might be over at three or four games, you know? I know. Um, we we well, don't know what, what's going to happen with Cincinnati and Tulsa and – who is it? I think UAB and Houston have had eight yeah. games canceled. Like, yep. you know, it, it, we all we all signed up for this, right? It was the greed sure. that brought the Big Ten back when the Big Ten knew this was going to happen. Right. And I'll just say this. You know, everybody having access to social media all the time, regular Joes, assholes that talk on the microphone like us, coaches, administrators, the programs themselves, college and pro. Like, everybody having social media is not good. But if I'm Texas A&M, I'm getting yeah, on social media right now, and I'm saying we'll play Ohio talk. State anywhere on Saturday. Talk that talk. Talk that talk. And That's when Ohio State says no. Ooh. <laughs> That's embarrassing. They can't say no. That's why they got to do it, Zach. And we got to talk it up right now. Forget playing Indiana again. We already did that. And their quarterback's out. And their coach is very lovable. Let's keep that story what it is. They can go play. They can play. They can play OU since OU hasn't played in a month. They can play whomever. They can play. I'm, I'm going to say it now. Ohio State is bigger than the Big Ten. They've done their part for the Big Ten. They'll take care of the Big Ten. Give us a real game. Just shut down everybody. Let's go play Texas A&M. Get Texas A&M up here. Let's play them. And I think that I think the Bucks man. The Buckeyes would beat the crap out of them because I, I wasn't impressed by Texas A&M last week in the game that I watched them play. They're good, um, and they're a one-win team. But if BYU is willing to go across the country in three days to go, to, to go play Coastal Carolina, why in the world can't we step outside of the box and say, you know what, college football fans, 2020 has been crap, as Isabella Marie not put so finely yesterday. Give us something. Give me noon Texas A&M and Ohio State. Yeah. That gives you great numbers. That gives you great numbers on TV. It gets all your eyes on it, and it's a great way of of making another thing that I've had to tell my kids about. Hey, we got a limit, and what do you do with limits? You make lemonade. That's better lemonade than us watching that. Oh, wait, who else could we play? Minnesota, maybe. Uh, no thanks. <laughs> right. <laughs> Indiana, no thanks. I want to see a noon kickoff, Zach, that Andre is not falling asleep in by the first quarter. Or looking for coffee or looking for something to get a ride in a stationary bike so I can stay awake. No, I, well, first it's not going to happen. Like I said, A&M should flex their muscle and take their time and do it. Um, yeah. But if it did happen, I don't want it at noon. I want it at 730 at night. I, I want it to be the granddaddy of them all like it would be. Yeah. You know? I mean, who else plays you. this? Who else even plays this weekend? Who cares? It's the right. Who cares? <laughs> it's right. But, but the season's still going on. And we're trying. But – 
Right, but you right. saying that just said what the whole deal is. We we don't care. Right. We, we don't care about the people. We, we, give us give us this. I when I was in Nashville, I heard on the radio someone say this that college football this year is just a costume contest, right? It's not a real yeah. season. You know, it's it's people dressed as football players, college football players. And the, and there are real people and we respect the hell out of them. Uh for for the grind, especially the guys at the lower levels, especially the people that don't have Ohio State's resources and perks and all of these things. Going through this has been um, incredibly difficult. And frankly, I worry about the college basketball players, Dre. Campuses are empty. You know, they're they're there. They're not allowed to go anywhere. Like, uh, we have all these NCAA bullshit restrictions on what, what their coaches and athletic departments can do for them anyway. Like, you know, that's, that's tough. But um, – I would love to see the game, but I'll just, like I said, it, here at 3 o'clock on Tuesday, I'll be shocked if it ends up being anything other than Ohio State versus a lower-level Big Ten opponent. Yeah, that's most likely what's going to happen. And by the way, folks, just so you know how we really roll, it's 4 o'clock. But in Zach's world, he's still in Tennessee, and he still can't figure out uh, Central time and Eastern time. Uh, I want to go back a week. We're still talking college football, and we'll get to – the nine and three team and we'll get to Carlos Santana taking his talents and his guitar to Kansas city. Um, and I say these things out loud. So we actually get to them and don't forget, but this is something I did forget in our last podcast. And I wanted to bring this up and you've made it known on our podcast. that Texas was kind of your school growing up. You had an aunt that lived down there and um, Texas was just one of your, was one of your favorite schools. And I meant to text you. And then I was like, no, I'll talk about it on the, on the podcast. Um, and when two weekends ago, when Iowa state, and Texas played. And obviously, you have a, we have a little bit of connection to the Iowa State team and, and knowing Matt, you know Matt Campbell a little bit. Um, just what is it like for you? Because, and I've realized this during the Brown season too, we still have some fandom in, them, in us, but our fandom has just changed because of what we've been doing since we were 21 years old, 20 years old. Um, if you do the job the right way or how we were taught to do the job, uh, it's hard to be a fan at times. So our fan moments are here aren't aren't around nearly as much as they usually are, but there's still some fan in us. Usually, if we got a hundred dollars or five hundred dollars on a game, uh, that's a joke. I'm just playing. <laughs> we usually went to over or the under, but you're a big Texas fan. Iowa State goes and plays them, and ten years ago, twenty years ago, hell, five years ago, if I would have said Iowa State was going to be Texas, you would have laughed. We would have laughed at you. People would have laughed at you, right? Yeah. Just emotionally, what was it like for you to watch Iowa State and Texas and watch my, the, the Matt Campbells kick Texas's ass and Texas has no idea where they're going coaching-wise um, going forward? Well, well, first of all, what's funny about you asking this is that my mom called me the morning of the game and asked me the exact same thing. But <laughs> the truth is, um, me and Texas, like, when they, find, when they won it in 2005 in one of the most incredible football games – at any level mm-hmm. that I've ever seen, it was like we we pretty much broke up then and there. You know, it was like she was my dream girl, and she finally went out with right. me. And then it was just we yeah. realized that you know, it, I mean, she changed her number maybe, but we we just went our separate ways. But then it just got so bad with the way that they're so entitled there, and and like I, I guess I had started to break up with them when they played Chris Sims over Major Applewhite, which was before two thousand five. <laughs> Obviously, you know, did, did Major Applewhite take your girlfriend like he took Ricky Williams' girlfriend? Yes, too? <laughs> yes. 
and so then when they won it, like we we just kind of broke up, and then it got so bad, and they kept losing. Like I, I had split, so yeah. I mean, I make no bones. Of my my loyalty is to Matt, and you know the, the two or three guys on the staff that I know there, right? And like, I mean, as much as I'm a fan of anything, like yes, I was rooting for them that day. But I, honestly, like when I went to Austin um, a year and a half ago for work. Like it was really cool for me as an adult to be back in Austin and walk around campus, right? But like, Dude, there's nothing, there's nothing, there's nothing like Austin, Texas. Yeah, I, but I only that was like a loud. total flashback to my youth, and I was this, I was actually a fan again for that moment. But it wasn't a deep emotional connection at all. It wasn't like okay, I'm gonna be a hardcore Longhorns fan again. It was like this is awesome right. that I first of all that I've lived this long, and secondly that I can picture. <laughs> being eight years old and being out on that field, you know, like right. that's, right. that's what it was. And that, cause honestly, my next thought was, uh, Oh my God, this fucking traffic to get back to the hotel is going to be awful. Oh, like yeah. that's how I think yeah. like people, right people say, what do you root for? Like guys, I don't like, obviously you meet people along the way and obviously you have things that you root for, but you honestly root for smooth games, no disasters, you don't have to worry about learning to spell to his last name. Like those are the things you root for when you're a sports writer. Honestly, you know, like the weather was great. It rained on the first day I got to Nashville and it sucked. It felt like home. It was cold and rainy and you couldn't go anywhere because of the pandemic. And even if you wanted to go walk around, I was three blocks from the action. It was miserable. Well, the day of the game, like it was a long game, but it was an entertaining as hell game. It was a smooth game and the weather was great. And, like, the mile-and-a-half walk back to the hotel after the game was just, like, what my old hardened soul needed, you know, because it was right. not snowing, it was not raining, it was not 29 degrees, and it was time to just, like, kind of decompress from my work and say, oh, my God, like, actually getting to cover a real playoff race here in an organization that might keep its head coach and, and build something here, like, this is really cool. And I just – Nashville is one of my favorite cities in the world. You know, I I walked around it twice in the three days or whatever that I was there. And then it's on to the next thing because that's just, you know, what it is when when you do this. Let's stay on the college stuff for a second and we'll get to we'll get to your weekend in Nashville. Um your brothers for people that are we're big you're a big college basketball fan. Your brother's a college basketball coach. Um and you said you're worried about college basketball. I am as well. Um, I don't know. How, I don't know how it's going to work. But I, and that without telling everything about what Brody's going through, um, especially on the level he's on, how difficult is it for him to even try to get the balls <laughs> rolling and trying to get a, a, a season started right now? Yeah. So they were. His team was sent home before Thanksgiving. Um, the yeah, campus well, is not yeah. open right now, and they're not a scholarship program. So um, they are planning to practice. I don't know if it's the day after Christmas or the day after the first of the year, but until then they're, they're pretty much shut down. So there is a hope and an expectation that around January 20th, they will start a season that likely will be conference only that almost certainly will be abbreviated in the number of games. And I mean, normally they would, their first game would be like three weeks ago. Right. Um, right. So yeah, they were able to practice from November 1st until the 21st or whatever, when they were sent home. Um, but now, I mean, unless his kids live there full time and I, I, I really don't know which ones do and which ones don't, you know, most right. of them, all but three or four of them are from a 
two, two and a half hour radius. So I would imagine they're all at home right now. I, I could be wrong on that, but I don't even know. There's definitely no organized basketball activity. Yeah, it just sucks. I mean, and because we get caught up, and the only reason I had to bring that up, and I'm not, I'm not getting in a pulpit. That's not what this podcast is for. Um, I just feel like sometimes we need, and unfortunately, in this COVID ravaged year, there's so many assholes that react with, "Well, it's not happening to me," and they're pissed off. And I, I only wanted you to tell that story because, for as much venom as we're all spitting about Ohio State, Michigan not happening, and that taking that privilege taken away from us. Um, and I'm being, and I'm not saying it's because of your brother. I'm saying it's because of all the brothers that like your brother out there, um, that are trying to put programs together that aren't, you know, aren't taking fancy jets, you know, to to, to Hawaii for Hawaii classics, but riding on vans and buses for the love of the game, um, because that's really what this is all about, you know, especially when it comes to NCAA basketball, when it comes to high school sports, and a lot of kids across this country that just love the game, and love the camaraderie. And the coaches that love just, you know, coaching kids and helping kids become men um, or women because it's a female sports, you want to do the same thing. I just wanted you to tell that story to put into connotation just what's really going on with the majority of our kids, just not our scholarship kids that are living in, 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 in their own bubble anyway. You know, like, like, like North Carolina basketball players live in a bubble in 2020, in 2010, and, and what year did Jordan leave? 1984, they were in a bubble. Yeah. <laughs> like, there's a bubble for, for those athletes all the time at the big schools, at the, top, at the, at the power fives. Um, and I just, and look, there's not a lot of stories out there about what a Mount Union's going through, or what your brother's school is going through. And to me, they're the ones that screwed more than everything else. They're not playing trying to get to the NBA. They're playing because they just love the freaking game. They love being around each other. And I've said this a million times, and I'll continue to say it. The only thing I really miss about sports, um, about playing sports or being an athlete, is the camaraderie of being in the locker room. But, you know, the in-between, you know, practice moments where you're busting balls with each other or you're telling stories with each other, sitting around the locker room or traveling to games. I remember that stuff more today at 42 years old than I do whether I made the right block or whether I, you know, whether I hit the, the free throw that I was supposed to hit. And it just sucks how many kids, and there's way more kids that are going through that, Zach, than the ones that we're complaining about not having a game this weekend. Oh, no uh, doubt. But, no doubt about it. Um, so, yeah, the, it, these these times are just hard. And the NFL's got all the money in the world, right? And they say they're going to power through. Um it's not the case. So I mean, even on listen, even on Brody's team, there's kids that need that structure, right? right. Half half his players are either staying in the apartments that their dad pays for, frankly, or they're going home to the full family and, and whatever it is they do and wherever they live. But like half of them need that basketball need structure, it. that college structure, that coaching, that Reg fixing their car, right? Like. They need that. And that half on his team is like 90% of the guys on full scholarship, right? Like, right. yeah. All right. So, and you do this how you want to do this. Um, big weekend for the Cleveland Browns, as we all know. And, and I got time. I don't know how much time you got. But I got we, an I'm idea. Not, I'm not in a rush on this book. All right. Well, no, I'm just saying I got plenty of time to go on this podcast. I hope you do. Um so, and I, and I don't know how much you want to tell or whatever else, but it's a great weekend to go to Tennessee. And we said last week um, that the last, the memories we have of Titans games are crazy because all the Browns-Titans matchups since the Browns came back in 99 have all seemed to have just off-kilter things happen. 
Um, you went down a couple of days early. I think I was driving home Thursday night from doing my TV show on STO, and you and I started talking. And you're like, I was really excited. I think it basically started with, I was really excited to go down here. And then I drove two hours, and, and, I, and the weather was just like it was at home, and I went to this hotel room, and I haven't moved. And I, and I, <laughs> and I laughed. Um, how nice was it as a, a sports reporter to actually go to a game? for a weekend because that's, that's the first time you've gone on the road this season isn't it no it's the third but it's the no, first to, since no, mid-october you went to Baltimore, my bad. yeah my i bad. went to pittsburgh went to too although that's just a there and back in the same day um yeah it, it's strange it's always nicer to be there it feels like a game you know you watch and, and honestly my impression is uh you know i i spent seven minutes walking on broadway i mean my impression from being there is oh my god these receivers yeah. were wide open Kevin Stefanski yeah. put on a clinic on Sunday, guys. Yes, like, the Browns showed up ready to play. They used five defensive linemen early in the game to throw Tennessee off their blocking schemes and their run I, game off. I love that. The, the Titans stubbornly kept running. Um, they went shotgun. They knew Baker would have time to throw, and they let him get confident. And I know because I tell the truth about Baker Mayfield that some of you turn it into some personal war and, <laughs> and everything like that. Um, here's one thing I, I know for sure about him. Like, he doesn't hide much, right? He's online all the time. He bites back at people. He's supremely confident, and his body language shows when he is and the few times that he isn't. And they let him get hot in that game. And he was both prancing around and throwing it like we're here. And, again, keep telling you, it doesn't matter about the outside. It doesn't matter, and the good teams manage that. But the Browns made a statement to everyone on the outside that we can beat a good team, that we can do more than hand the ball to 24 and occasionally 27. And it got hairy. It shouldn't have gotten to that point. Um, really, there's only one real push that the Titans made, and Adam Humphreys drops the ball straight up in the air, and the guy who's three yards behind in coverage catches it. Um, so that, that ended the real threat. The Browns went down there and freaking elbow dropped the Titans, and that opens up the possibilities. Um, I'll just say this. Well, over the last month, the Browns are the best team in the AFC North. The Browns yeah. have won in different ways, and the Browns have won within their formula, which is run and cause turnovers, but they have not been bound by that. They have not been limited by that. And now you're allowed to look and say, okay, this this is a team that is really getting good at the right time because they're clearly, clearly better than they were a month ago and certainly better than they were two and three months ago. Yeah. Um, you know, I want to I say this the right way because we, everyone gets so frustrated when you say, well, they've just been beating bad teams. And there's some truth. There's truth to that. I mean, you look at the records of the teams and, and, and it's there. And – I'm glad you said that about how they, they've been the best team in the AFC North over the last month, month and a half. Um, and the Steelers, despite their record, um, they finally bit them last night. And I, and I said to Rob and, and Dennis, two of my friends that are huge Pittsburgh fans, and I did part of it to piss them off. But, like, at 2 in the afternoon, I was like, I hope, you guys, I hope your offensive line is ready because that team with no nicknames, defensive line, is going to give you all hell. And it took Rob 24 hours after he told me to fuck off after the game last night to admit this morning that I was right that Washington's defensive line was legit. Um, 
I want to go back to Kevin Stefanski, though, and the conversation, because people get pissed, and people are so uh, – I'm, I'm trying not to fight with people because I'm sick of fighting with people. But the sensitivity that we have towards the, the Cleveland Browns and, and Baker Mayfield is ridiculous. Um, we, You know, like I had somebody tweet me, like, in the second quarter, um, wait to not pick the Browns. You feel good about yourself? And I was like, yeah, I feel great. Why would I not? <laughs> like I'm, I'm not, I think it paid. Like my opinion was that. I gave my opinion. I'm right some weeks. I'm wrong some weeks. I didn't sit out there to to, to hurt their feelings. <laughs> like I, I was wrong. Big deal. A lot of people were wrong in taking Tennessee. But I want to state this, and I want to say this in a different way than I would say when they beat Cincinnati. And I would go, Oh, Cincinnati sucks. Tennessee's defense. They've got basically a walk-on cornerback that Peoples Jones ate alive as he should have. I mean, hey, one's a seventh-round pick, one was an undrafted guy. And the seventh-round pick ate him a lot, but it comes back to great coaching. Both of the coaches are very great. I think Brable's one of the best coaches in football. Um, and I think Kevin Stefanski has shown us in 12 games that he has the ability um, to dissect what he sees and put a scheme together that he can get his players to buy into early in the week. And then he can go out and play it on Sunday. The things they did to beat Tennessee – show it was it was it was scientific in how he broke down and what he attacked the titans are a good team but because they they swung and missed a couple of times in the offseason they have no pass rush because of dory jackson their number one corners hurt their corners aren't in a good place their safeties in Bacaro, who i like and i liked in college a little too aggressive at times and i remember i watched scott van pelt last week thursday night when he has bill barnwell on who at one time and he's blocked me, and I don't give a shit, and it's Christmas time. If I'm going to be pissed at anybody, I'll talk about phony grossy. Um, Bill Barnwell was running the Cleveland Browns team. Remember that was his, his throw in the dark? Since he knows <laughs> That's the, one of his gems, yes. That's one of yeah, his gems. because he knows nothing at all about the team. Uh, he just throws shit at the wall and sees a little stick, and he said Bill Barnwell was running the team. Well, Bill Barnwell said something Thursday night on Scott Van Pelt, and I don't promo a lot of stuff that don't got nothing to do with me. They don't put money in my pocket. But Barnwell on Scott Van Pelt on Thursday nights is one of the most informative things you can watch going into an NFL weekend. And Barnwell said, and I remember I looked it up right after because I, you know, I don't know all the nerd numbers or whatever else, but Barnwell said the Browns have a legitimate chance in Tennessee because the Titans are giving up over 20 yards, or they're giving up, they're like the 30, they're like the 29th or 30th team against play action. And I remember that was one of the, you know how you hear a lot of stuff throughout the week, but I remember going, well, if Tennessee's bad against play action and they can't get to the quarterback, and the Browns already run play action, this might be the perfect matchup for the Browns. And it didn't hit me until Barnwell said that. And then I kind of looked at a couple more numbers because on the other side, the Titans were averaging 20 yards per throw with play action. And I remember thinking to myself, well, whatever team deals with the play action, best will win the game. But Stefanski changed everything, Zach, by, like you said, like by early on. And can we give a a game ball to Sheldon Richardson? I know everybody wants to annoy him. Oh, he deserves uh, one for sure. Sheldon Richardson played the game of his life. He had the two biggest plays in the game, in my opinion. Um, and, and stripping Henry early, uh, getting penetration early. He got penetration all game. He played. He he earned his money. And I know Sheldon likes to talk. I like his personality. I know some don't. Sheldon, talk your talk this week. But I'll just say this about Savansky. I'll get out of the way. I know it's long-winded. I love that on Sundays now, whether the Browns win or lose, I got a pretty good feeling that the coach of the Browns um, has looked at the tape and has a pretty good idea of how his team needs to attack that other team. And if Baker Mayfield 
can't grow in confidence with that guy calling his plays, I don't know how else he's going to be successful. Yeah, because the no. kid, he, he threw the ball the right way. He made the right decisions. And if he can't trust that Stefanski puts him in the right thing and to just roll what Stefanski has, he won't be successful in the NFL. No. Because Stefanski is going to give him a great chance. To it's, be a great yeah, it's, it's, it's the perfect marriage, right? Um, yeah. It, they let it rip situationally, and he did a great job. And the, the play action to Peoples-Jones, he froze everybody, and Baker made an incredible fake, an incredible read, and then had time to wait for Peoples-Jones to get even more open and then makes a great throw down the field right in the breadbasket, and, and they go. Um, yeah, they it's like they went for the kill. They saw it, and, and that's that's encouraging. That's rare, right? Um, I just I think the world of Kevin Stefanski and his game plans and, and his approach to the game, um, I think this offensive line continues to just drill people, and that goes back to the coach, allowing him to do certain things. I have been as critical as anyone and realistic as anyone about Rashard Higgins. And the fact is this is the second staff that wouldn't give Rashard Higgins a jersey in a game <laughs> just two months ago. And he goes out, and what happens when he gets his chances, Dre? He balls out. He does. I mean, he he is not – the reason he's a free agent for months and the reason people bail on him is because he does not have one outstanding trait. How often does he drop a pass? Rarely ever. Never. Right? The quarterback. He's usually where he's supposed to be. Right. Whether it's by design or by freelance or by emergency, quarterback trusts where he's going to be and that it's almost always going to be caught. So, um, yeah, they they played really well. And, and that obviously kind of opens the door to, okay, um, you know, as it stands right now, and there's a, there's a thousand different scenarios, that number's not exaggerated, but the most likely scenario – is that on January 9th, the Browns are going to be right back in Nashville for a rematch. The most likely scenario says the Titans, yep. if they choose to cover a receiver the rest of the way, win their division and are the four and the Browns are the five. So that's not settled. And I think it's great. It's both great and it's important that the Browns play the Ravens this week and they're in are on Monday night football. Because I think if they had a letdown game this week, that they would have a big letdown, Right. Because they were right. um, doing this, but but for right now, indisputably, they are the kings of the city. They are the kings of the earth, and until as long as they can ride that, then just enjoy it. Because they that, that there is so little that you can nitpick from that game, and you can't do anything but applaud the coach on down for how they planned to attack the Titans and how they just ripped their freaking throats out right away. Yeah, they did, and 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 you know what I. I kind of want to see a rematch because I think um, Vrabel was a very good coach. Vrabel and, and hey, Vrabel's team didn't quit. They didn't roll over. And I know that they look at the NFL. You shouldn't do that anyway. Right. Um, but they didn't quit. And I think they walk away from that game saying they want another piece of the Cleveland Browns and they just might get it on January 10th. And I hope they do. Cause, I, cause then that to me would take the next step of, okay, how great are you? Kevin Stefanski? What do you have? Um, in your pocket to, to go against a guy that now is, is mad at you. Um, hey, let, let me really, hold like, that thought right there. I, I want to say this about Vrabel and the Titans. This is the time last year that they got hot and they rode it all the way to the AFC Championship game, right? Yep. And they've had some things go wrong with injuries and with personnel decisions, and they don't have a pass rush. And it's a lesson um, in how you have to load up at the premium positions. And, yep. you know, 
people right now accuse you of being negative if you ask any questions. Well, having advanced level questions and advanced level thinking is a sign of progress. And I know most of you don't know this if you've been following the fucking Browns for 20 years. But, Jerry, what do you do with Olivier Vernon, who's going to be 31 years old and free agent, and who's now had three really good games, but there is only three? I mean, how do you handle that? I go find a young defensive end in the draft and say, thank you, Olivier. Have a good life. <laughs> That's not hard. That's not hard. That's life. That's just like, all right, it's the perfect segue, and I'm not trying to walk away from the Browns because I still want to talk NFL. Like, I hear everybody, like, I love you guys. I love you guys. But y'all got to check yourself before you wreck yourself. It's like the Carlos Santana thing today with the with the Indians. And, I, and, and I'm going to get in trouble for saying what I'm saying because I love Carlos. I love, love Carlos. He's one of my favorite players. Um, he's just a good, he's a cool ass dude. I can text him right now and tell him my wife's company has a kid that would love to put a smile on his face. He would pick up his phone and broken English should do it right now. Cause that's Carlos Santana. But all baseball season long, all I heard were fans and scouts tell me that they think his swing was getting long and he was finally showing his age, blah, 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 blah. If you pay attention, read the tea leaves. You knew he wasn't coming back to the Indians. Like it was, it was pretty set in, in stone. He wasn't coming back. But the minute he signs, He's a, he's a little bit older. Um, yeah, I know he's been with the team for 10 years, and that's great. And look, and, and all of our stories would be so much better if the storybook story in every sport was a guy's drafted by a team and plays his whole career with his team. And this is why we keep going back and why we're having these conversations about Baker Mayfield and if is he average, is he great? Because we all want to get to nostalgia, and we want to have the Bernie Kozars in our lives, and we want to have these guys that played with the team forever. That don't happen no more, people. Like, you look at any – you made the, you wrote about the 0-16 Browns, which was not that long ago. And how many players are still left from that season? Three years ago today, go John Dorsey got hired. Right. Yeah. Right. Well, my point is this change is quick, people. It, this is not a long-love relationship. It is in and out. Thank you, ma'am. Call you at 2 a.m. Maybe we'll do another booty call again. So, Olivier, thank you. It's been a good booty call. We'll see you. We're going to find somebody else to fill that spot. That's how it works. It doesn't feel good, but it's how it works. I mean, I look at the Indians roster from 16, 17. There's like four or five guys left from it. That's just, it's how it works. And I know we don't all like it, but money's involved. But you know what? It all is a little bit like we talked about Ohio State, Michigan. It's a business. It is a business. And these teams are going to find ways. And let's be honest. And I don't want to put Bernie down right now because you said it so nicely. Um, he's been hit or miss for me. And I can do hit or miss for probably 1.5 million with some kid out of the, I could draft some kid. Well, no, no I don't see, but that's why I asked because I don't think you can. I mean, this is pro sports, right? Like, yeah. you've got to have pass rushers. And no doubt. Like, has he played to $13 million a year? No. But when he does have that one big game, is he worth more than that? Yes. No. Is he more than that? That's a good question. You know, I, well, know exactly I mean, going it. back six, eight weeks ago, we said, okay, assuming Dwayne Haskins never makes it or certainly doesn't look like he's ever going to be in Washington football team's plans anymore, right? Was it really that awful of a pick, given the importance of the position? No, yeah. I, I, well, we did, we did talk about that. That was a good point. Um, what positions do you have to have? You have to have a quarterback first and foremost. You have to have almost always you have to have that number one wide receiver. And those guys take take different forms, right? Um, But you definitely have to have 
a stable of pass rushers and you have to have one knockout corner with a lot of decent guys around him. If, if you only have you, – you can get by with volume of bodies in the secondary if you've got some position versatility guys, especially the kind of the way is the game is going. But you have to have five NFL-level corners. And the only way you can get away with less than that is if you have that one knockout A-plus guy. I mean, it's just so hard to find pass rushers and cover guys, and they play together um, and, and lean on each other so much. I mean, you know, Miles was gassed the other day, right, Trey? Like, oh. all of a sudden, where is he, right? And there was a couple times he got held, and there was one time he came in and hit Tannehill's arm. So the one sack is huge. But, like, that guy has changed games, and that guy has changed the Browns' season and maybe the trajectory of the franchise, right? Like, Olivier Vernon plays every snap the other day when the Browns needed him. Sheldon Richardson, going to be 30 next year, due to make $12 million. What do you do with him? Because when you get the A game of Sheldon Richardson the other day, the other offense is going, fuck, I don't know. What are we supposed to do there? Right. we got to put two guys on right. him to get our simple power play going. Like, it's... <laughs> we'll see. I mean, well, that's but that, that's why I want to see a rematch, though. Because I want to... You know what? Like, Tennessee... And it's funny, Tennessee... And this is the part of winning that's fun. Um, I talked to your counterpart at The Athletic that covers Tennessee on the, on the show last Thursday. And it was funny because, you know, he knows the team. Just like, you know, you know your team, he knows his team. And the Titans became the Titans and went on that crazy run that they went on last year because they were built the right way. Right, Zach? I mean, they had, you know, they, they let go. It was the defensive end. I can't think of the defensive end they let go. Uh, they, they let Bird, the safety go. That was a really good player. A really good player. They let these, like, guys that were just – and it, it goes off – and I got to admit, I'm, I'm, I'm going back on my own words of just a few minutes ago, and that's hard for me to do, but I'll do it. They let go of core players that weren't sexy names – but they were the core of what made the Titans the Titans. The Browns have one of them at right tackle. And, but what they did do, and this is why it's so hard to keep your team together and be the team that you were last year. They had to pay Tannehill. They had to play Henry, right? Yeah, had to. And to cut corners, they had to. So to cut corners, they let Conklin go. Um, the safety, I can't think of his name. And there was a defensive tackle that they let go. And all those guys were core players. They weren't the star players that were on the mat. You know, they may have been on the program once or twice a week you know, once or twice a season, but they weren't the, you know, they kept their stars. And the identity of the Titans now is Henry and Tannehill and AJ, and AJ Brown, who is an unbelievable, they, they've got some, they got some dudes, but the core guys on defense, Zach, aren't there and look how they're playing. And, and the Browns took advantage of that. Yeah. You know, like they Titans have been up and down, but the Browns took advantage of, okay, you know, they got their stars and we're going, we're going to take care of trying to stop the stars. Because the one thing, and, and this goes back to our conversation about Baker all year long and Tannehill and trying to find the next guy, and that's why it's imperative that the Browns do all they can to make sure that they, that they try to turn Baker into what they need. Because, and Tannehill brought his team back, and he made some plays, but I think the basis of what we saw was a little bit like against Baltimore when you play Baltimore. If you can get a lead early on Tennessee and truly put the game all on Tannehill, your chances of winning against them goes up. Tremendously, right? Tremendously. If you allow and, – and so, yeah, Tannehill is, is, can, can, can be an average quarterback, and, and if everything goes right in the game, in the game plan, and you scheme it, you can play action with them, and you can eliminate – how many – I guess what we got to say, where it comes to average quarterbacks and below average quarterbacks and great ones, 
the great ones can throw the ball 45 times and not have to trick you with play action or trick you with anything, and they can get up and down. The yeah, field. that's fair. That's, guy, that's fair. You know what I mean? Yeah. Tannehill played okay. He didn't play t- terrible, but the Browns' game plan screamed, we're not afraid of Tannehill throwing the ball 45 and, times. And, yeah, and not to put too much on line, him, but the Browns just cut their legs from the start, right? They The run game right. opens everything up. They went and got it. So they get the fourth down stop because Tennessee gets cute, and the next time the Titans have the ball, Henry goes or Sheldon Richardson goes in and takes it from Henry. It was like ball game right, right then and there. Exactly. And, yeah. and so what I'm saying is the Browns showed us that the other guys are important because I, I want to say B.J. Goodson's name because he, he, I tweeted he's not a He's star, been very he's solid. He's play. been better than I thought. There's no doubt about it. Same. Kevin Johnson, I'll give love. No, he wasn't great. He wasn't Deion, John, Deion Sanders. But he was where he needed to be, especially considering you didn't have your number one cornerback. Um, Sendejo, it's almost like saying a cuss word, but, but he was in the right place at the right time a couple times. Um, <laughs> this is a team effort, and, and the others, the others mattered, right? The other guys mattered, and then they took, and it's, and look, I mean, how many yards receiving did they get from People's Jones, Hollywood? Like, I mean, if you would have told me in, in, on August 15th, that you would have gone to Tennessee and how like your receiving core would be that I would have thought you would have got laughed off the field. So hats off to the Cleveland Browns organization. I can't wait till Monday night. I think Monday night's going to be interesting. I wish we had double headers of Monday nights every week. I love it. Um, I don't mind this Tuesday night game. We're about to get tonight either. If we're going to go, Hey, NFL might as well go max schedule at this point. Play every damn night. It don't matter. We ain't got nothing else to do. Ain't nobody. Right, well, I'll give you one reason right now. Before we get too far into Monday or anything else, I'll give you one reason the Browns can win, and that's that their D line is balling out, and the Ravens' offensive line has been a mess yeah. for six weeks. Now. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Um, as for the game in Tennessee, as we kind of wrap up this thought, you know, we're new. You're new to this here, Cleveland, right? To significant games, and, and even though we 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 are quick to say when. Radio sucks and we're embarrassed and all that. I thought last week asking how big of a game this was is a fair question, right? Because, like, the Browns have not played in big games, right? The Browns coming in had had one win over a winning team, right? Like, all that was fair in terms of this team's history and trajectory and all that. To, To the outside, not to the inside. It didn't matter. The Browns went and took care of business. So that sets up an even bigger game, just like... If you do win, and this one's huge, 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 just like if you do win the next week, it'll be even bigger than the previous one, right? But what I'm trying to say is we don't know yet what kind of launching pad that will be for the Browns or for Rashard Higgins or for DPJ or for Taki Taki, right? Um, Or for Kevin Johnson, who I agree played a great game. The list goes on and on and on and on. Uh, We don't yet know what it means if the Browns and Titans have to play again and again, that's it's a likelihood. Um, it's a possibility to a likelihood. It's right in there. But we do know right now that it delivered us the greatest tweet of all time, and that was sent on Monday, 12-7 and 9-22 a.m. It was a quote retweet. The quote, the, the tweet was from the OBR film breakdown. It was a clip of the game, and it said, Watch Taki and Mac Wilson here. This is what you want to see versus the run. Taki stands up the fullback at the point of attack to ruin the scheme yep. before it starts. And Wilson darts through with a proper angle to bring Henry down for the TFL. Might have been Wilson's best game of 2020. And then it is tagged. It is, quote, retweeted with a healthy Mac Wilson is a sight to see. And that tweet 
was by Mac Wilson himself. Mac Wilson himself. <laughs> I mean, he is my favorite player of all time. <laughs> hey, Mac, go Mac. <laughs> but you know what? In all honesty, and it is funny, and that was great how you put that together because I chuckled too. Um, him and Taki Taki did bring the wood, and, 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 they, and they did the ugly part of football that we don't talk about. They went up and hit that fullback and those guards. Like, that was old-school football, Zach. We don't get those type of games anymore. And to know that those two young linebackers can do that, look, they're going to have problems. Hell, we may see them have problems this week against, against the Ravens when they, if they really start running to the outside. But for them to show that they had the wherewithal and the toughness to take on the fullback the way – and they were taking on the fullback, Zach. And I'm not sure the play you're, that you're going off of, Zach, they were meeting them at the line of scrimmage. Like, they weren't letting the fullback – get to the other side of the line of scrimmage. They were coming out like they were selling out for the run. And I and, and you just don't see football played like that anymore because the ball's in the air so much. So I my hat's off to them because they, they brought Hey, you, they, you, you know, never they, they played the game. We, we say this, as bad as it goes or whatever happens, in the NFL specifically, I can't speak to the NBA or MLB, but you never kill a guy for his rookie year because there's just so, it's so different than everything. Right. right, his life, the game, what he's being asked to do, what's going on, all of that. Um, you know, I don't know that Taki Taki will ever be a, a plus player, but I can tell you for one hundred percent fact that John Dorsey and his guys chose those two linebackers because they thought they were physical and they did not think that Joe Schobert and Christian Kirksey were physical. So the Browns did no. what the Browns did, and that's ran those guys out and changed schemes and all this and. Taki got hurt at the end of his first training camp and didn't really play and all this stuff. But that was his kind of game, and he showed up and did that. So how many times you're going to have those games, How you, where he really progresses, what the staff thinks of him, I, I, don't, I don't know. And we'll never get that answer even if you ask it because they don't tell the truth. But guys are delivering, and that's, that's really what it takes. You know, like you, you're having guys emerge – and the quarterback put up big numbers, and they saw an opportunity to attack. But to me, Dre, it's just the fact that it's week, it's game 12, it's week 13, right? And you should see natural growth from the offense, and you're seeing it. It's game 12, it's week 13, you should see natural growth from the defense, and you're seeing it. And so that's what allows you to look down the road and say, if, right, if we can get this stability, and if we can get this fair evaluations, and if things can go our way, you, you, you want to go for it now. And, and like I talked about Olivier before, and people get mad when you bring this up. Like, it's fair to ask right now, don't they wish they'd have done something at the trade deadline for the secondary? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know? Yeah, but, well, yeah. I mean, if you get – you get. I, 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 I frame – let me say that. I frame that like don't they. I meant right. to say frame it like it's a fair question. I, I don't know that answer. But, like, you know – the shit still goes through Kansas City, right? And, like, even if you right. play Josh Allen in a blizzard, the motherfucker can throw it 70 yards. <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, yeah, I mean, and that's the other thing. And I get the excitement of yesterday uh, and, and just this town. We just haven't had this. So I'm like, you know, I was close to tweeting out, um, you know, act like you've been there before. Like, like I, it, But we haven't. So well, right. and I heard people saying, well, they can win the Super Bowl now. And I'm like, would y'all chill out? Um, yeah. Let's enjoy the moment. Let's enjoy Monday night. I don't know how it's going to look. I'll be honest. I'm, I'm, I'm a little down because I would prefer. This is the Monday night that, that you guys deserve. Northeast Ohio deserves to have a, a sold-out stadium. 
and they deserve for you, for Zach and I to do a podcast Tuesday afternoon and me playing a, an Adele song and us atoning for the one where the Miles Garrett jersey got ripped because it was against Baltimore and the ball got returned and he was crying and it showed you the bottom of the pit of what the Cleveland Browns organization was. And now you make this whole, you know, whole turn. Like I'm being honest. Like I want to start a podcast next week and say, look, look for, look what happened then to where we're at now. And, and it's been an amazing turn and we're not going to be in the joy. I mean, with the rules and regulations, bars aren't going to be able to stay open until halftime uh, around Cleveland, but that's 2020. Um, they've got the right coach to deal with this because the discipline it takes right now to get your guys to follow all the regulations, all the, all the, you know, I was talking to, um, I was talking about Robert Dennis, my, two of my Steelers friends. And I kind of said to him last night, I was like, do you guys think, and they're huge Steelers fans, they get the game. And I was like, do you guys think that, I go, how important is the number one seed to the Steelers in their opinion? And Rob instantly was like, he was like, dude, we, he goes, I think we can beat Kansas City. Um, but he was like, I'd rather be at home and have that bye week. He goes, I, he goes with no crowd. He goes, I feel like the Steelers could go to Kansas City and possibly win. But that's a fan saying that. He goes, but the big thing about the number one seed is, he goes, we need it because we're so banged up. And I didn't thought of it that way because yeah. it's a little bit different than it usually has been. That number one seed is important for one reason in a season where there's no fans to get the bye week. Yeah. No, as I was writing this morning on the playoffs on on how, like, Barring something crazy, you can look at the Browns are going to play the Titans, the Colts, or the Bills, right? Well, if the Bills can handle business this week against the Steelers, I mean, yes, Browns fans will cheer that because it potentially could mean that the slim division chances are, are open. However, that advances the Bills to a possibility to where their Week 17 might not mean anything to them. So it's little games within the game. Like, of those three, you absolutely want to play the Colts. And you might think I'm crazy because you just beat the shit out of the Titans, right? But I think, Dre, you've done a pretty good job of explaining how no one's calling it a fluke. It wasn't. It was an ass-kicking domination about how it yeah. could be completely different in four weeks. But, again, you yeah. don't know that, and you don't control that. So you just have to go play. And for the Browns, like, they got this Monday night game because of Lamar Jackson. Guys, let's just be honest, right? But as it's turned out, the Browns are playing their best ball in 30 years, and they're at home. And there's the pandemic, and there's all the things you can't mention, and the Ravens have been through this. What more could you ask for than a chance to knock out Lamar Jackson and the Ravens, right, on your home turf? What more could you ask for than the national TV spotlight for the best team that you've had, for Miles Garrett, for Nick Chubb, for all these guys – to put it all together out there. And, you know, everybody, every fan on Twitter gave Baker Mayfield a 10-year, $567 million deal last Sunday at 4 o'clock. Well, this is the pressure <laughs> defense that, that beats, eats him up. So we'll see. He can answer a lot of questions. He can make himself, no, no hyperbole, a lot of money. So my last thought here would be, and we can play this game if you want or we can get out of here, would be congrats to all of you who have stuck it out and who have waited for a game like this in a December like this, and congrats oh, no. to those of you who still number one rival with the Browns in a playoff race and the division door not being totally closed is the media. Yeah, that's a good way of putting it. Congrats to, to those that are still fighting the media. I mean, I get it. The one guy is a piece of shit. But, you know, he is who he is. Don't, why would you let that take away from your anger? Control, you know, I feel like this year I've had so many conversations with my kids that play into this. Control what you control. Control what you can control. Who cares what the media says? 
most of them, for the most part, really do try their damnedest to do a good job. It can't help some in any other job. Half of y'all work with people that are half-assed at their job and don't deserve their job or don't know how to do it. So whose fault really is it if you're consuming media that you think is trash? Yeah, I mean, like, the thing about Twitter is there's a button called follow and unfollow. Right. 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 And it doesn't do us any good to to continue to do this. I, I, I'll just say one more. I mean, I can go 10 or 15 more if you can, Jerry. I don't know what, what you oh, have I or don't. I got time, man. I got, okay. I make a lemonade out of these. So I heard, I heard something today as I was driving, and it sparked me. One, we haven't played congrat, 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 congrats in a while. We haven't. Right? No. So <laughs> congrat to you guys who spent this. I heard the Tyson fight has grossed $80 million. That's a congrats. You know, I'm glad you brought that up. I'm glad you did. <laughs> Thank you. Good job. Because I didn't like the idea, and it was a joke at first to even think about it. Uh, my son knows that I'm into an hour in the podcast, so he brought me some. Uh, he brought me some gummies. That's, that's a good son. I love you, man. Um, he, he wants me to keep keep eating. <laughs> and he knows if I eat the gummies, he gets eat the gummies. Zach, I was mad about this this whole Tyson Roy Jones fight because that was our era when they fought when we were growing up. But I gotta say, I didn't send the fifty dollars, but I did see it. It actually was cool to have an exhibition of it and to see, like, and what ended up happening. It ended up being entertaining, I guess. Would it be entertaining, Zach, in a non-pandemic year? I don't know. But you and I have spent, we've wasted way more than $50 for entertainment in our life and not gotten the joy and laughs I got out of watching that. See, see, it was a hard no for me. Um, But I get it. And, And I guess, I, I didn't finish there, but I, I guess I had a double congrat rather than congrat congrats. I can go with you with congrats <laughs> on that one because you know what the congrats is? Congrats to What's boxing that? when yeah. in 2020, Mike Tyson, who else could do that right now? If Floyd fought again, yeah. he couldn't do that. Well, Floyd's going to fight that guy now. Yeah, but that does, that, that's not boxing. See, that you're going to get me so mad and angry. Like, old man. <laughs> <laughs> okay, like, okay, okay, okay. I don't like, I'm not big in WWE wrestling, but there, there are nights where my timeline gets taken over by it. And I'm like, I'm like, congrats to Dre. Cause I gotta, I gotta go away from Twitter. Cause I can't read. Yeah. Well, there's a follow on follow button. <laughs> there's a mute on mute button. <laughs> <laughs> but that's what it was though. It was WWE entertainment, Zach, more than anything else. And I don't know why. Yeah, and I, get I don't that. know why. But so, that, so I, so I get where you're coming from. You don't want to see fake boxing. You're going to pay to see boxing. Zach Jackson wants to see, he doesn't want to see an exhibition. He wants to see what we grew up on. I agree. I guess what I'm saying to you is we're at a stage that boxing's become so much of a joke, Zach, that the exhibitions are better than the actual fights. Yeah, yeah. Um, let me see. Do I have another congrat? That was a good congrat. That's a good one. Yeah. Um, well, I have Take a question. Time. It's December okay. 8th, right? And I, I, I know. I actually know it. You always say I don't know what day or time it is, and you're usually right. But I know what it is. Um, like when February fifteenth rolls around, is there a spring training? Like, is it on? Mm, mm. Uh, to, I, I, it's a good question. Um, it's a good question. And this is one of those questions he didn't ask me before we did the podcast. Um, because of you have to set certain things up and do things, you can't just show up and have spring training, right? Uh, I've been told unofficially to be prepared to be in Arizona for a spring training game sometimes around the end of February, the beginning of March. I've also been told 
um, that Major League Baseball has no idea what they're going to do. And with the vaccine now starting to get out into the public, there have been some conversations about possibly moving the start of the season back a month mm-hmm. so there can be more games with fans in it. And I've also, it's funny you say that, and I won't say names, but the last year has been so weird and there's been so little conversation to the people that do the games that a lot of us have been emailing and texting each other like, hey, you hear anything from your team? You hear I've had three, I've had four text messages or, or DMs from other play-by-play guys or sideline guys in the last like four days of, hey, have you guys heard anything? Everybody's pretty much in the dark right now, so it's a shot in the dark to figure it out. I think Major League Baseball, they're, they're, you're kind of doing like the NFL did six months ago. Remember when, when you kept saying NFL plans on starting on time? And I was like, no, they won't. And, but I think Major League Baseball is kind of doing the same thing. Of we're going to stick with the schedule that we have out there until we realize – because here's the deal. You can play 162 and start on April 1st and have 10% cap capacity until, I don't know, June. Because I know that was the original plan, start in mm-hmm. April and hope that your, your capacity of crowd can go up per month and by the end of the season you're up to 80%. You can start on April 1st and do it that way, or you can try to start on May 15th and hope that you can have 140-some games and have a bigger capacity for all those games. Yeah, and that so makes that's, sense. That's really and and I'm all for, like, I've been saying really since the beginning of this, like, I hope every league and group, like, takes a look at saying, hey, maybe this is our opportunity to not do things just because they've always been done a certain way, you know? Right. Um, the, the, the NBA, like... The, the stories are all negative, right? I, I, you couldn't pay me to actually dive into it, but I know there's some sort of Kyrie LeBron beef. There's James Harden not showing up for camp. There's LeBron bitching well, about here, the season get, starting, which he's right about. Well, like, well, we knew, but we knew that he's not. He didn't bitch all the way. He gets it. He know. I mean, they got to make their money. Well, how you make the money is playing as many games as you can play. It's just where it's at. Um, the, let me give you the Kyrie LeBron because because this one was good, and let's take away our own emotions to it. Kyrie basically went on Kevin Durant's uh, podcast, and, and and you know how Kyrie works. Kyrie is, I don't want, I'm not gonna call him names, but Kyrie basically he said, you know, I'm finally on the team. I don't gotta have to worry about taking the last shot of the game. I don't gotta worry. I, I play with somebody that I trust to take the last shot of the game. So that got back to the, and I mean, hey, to be honest, the NBA is losing. You want to do a congrats, congrats, congrats to us as consumers. Congrats to uh, Richard Jefferson. <laughs> Channing Frye, LeBron James, Kevin Durant, and and, uh, and and Kyrie because look, they got their pot. We they got us in December talking about what they've said on their own podcast. Yeah. So Richard Jefferson basically went back to him to LeBron and was like, "How'd you feel about that?" And LeBron, I thought, was genuine as as he's going to be with the microphone in front of him and the millions of people hearing it. And saying, you know what, I tried my best to, to try to make Kyrie into an MVP. Um, I'm hurt because as much as I tried to make him and turn him into a better per, you know, better player and, and get him the endorsements and everything he wanted, um, we just never saw eye to eye, but we won a championship out of it. And he kind of shrugged his shoulders. Um, he could have thrown – I'm going to text you what I want to say. Cause I'm, <laughs> <if I> say <laughs> well, I let say me say it. this. I did catch the tail end of his segment on this. Like – we're past the point of LeBron, you know, having to respond to everything, right? He's out there and this is what he is. And we know he, and we appreciate in many ways that he's not afraid to put his feelings out there about certain things. Right. But like, this was his opportunity to just, and LeBron is a street smart dude, right? 
to just decimate Kyrie and say, rather than saying, I I heard it and this is how I respond, rather than say, you know, I just won a championship two months ago and the NBA said we got to start again in a week. And, like, I've won this many championships and my whole focus at the end of my career here is winning more championships. So to this guy who hasn't won one since he was with me, and has done nothing but soil his name and embarrass himself over and over again, I'm not really going to concern myself with what that guy says about anything because he's just going to say something stupid the next day. That was That's how he absolutely should have responded to that. Actually, Kyrie's not going to say anything tomorrow. Didn't you read his... <laughs> You're right. That, that, but you know what? That's what he should say. But why do any of these guys say it? Like why do I, like LeBron don't have to say anything ever again? Well, I guess what and I'm LeBron trying to say is there are there's a situation every month where LeBron has to give a political answer because he's LeBron, right? right? Politically correct right. answer, not talking about LeBron's politics because I know some of you guys still worry about that shit. But like this was the opportunity where he didn't have to do that, so I guess maybe he's not programmed to just say no comment. But he could have decimated Kyrie, and I think he, it's a blown opportunity. He yes. But I just texted you why he did. Read your phone. <laughs> I'll just text you why he did. And that's the, look, he should have said no comment. But as you know, the politics of it's different when it's your peers, right, Zach? Like a lot of people can talk about you and you're really good at ignoring it and, and you say I drag you into it. It's fine. But if somebody the only people that can get emotions out of you are the people that have your heart some way or another, whether you hate or love someone. That's that's and true. I'm I mean, I, I'm totally speaking for someone else here. There's no doubt about it. Yes. Right. And what I text you is what really is going on. <laughs> and he knows it. And that's why he's playing political, Zach. And I don't do this on the podcast very very often. But there is a reason why LeBron Ramon James from Akron, Ohio, is playing this politically. <laughs> and he knows if I say too much or if I get to a tip for tap, all I need is Kyrie to put that out there. And that's a whole other headache I don't want to work with. So I was hurt. Kyrie was my guy. I tried my best to get him yeah. an MVP and to get him a championship. It just didn't work out. Good luck. Well, I mean, for the NBA Moving in on. general, and it's a star-driven league, like, to get back to congrats, congrats, like, there's no such thing as bad PR. Nobody would be no, – I mean, is anybody in town talking about Cavs training camp? No. I barely know their team. And I don't mean that in a bad way. All right, let's do, let's do this are. right now. Put your phone down. All right. Okay. 20 – 2020, 2021 Cavaliers. We got to name them. You go first, one at a time. Larry Nance Jr. Colin Sexton. Andre Drummond. Dylan Windler. Oh, you cheat. Uh, no, I only know me and Dylan have a mutual friend. It's the only reason I know that. I know. I'm going to say, how did you remember him? <laughs> uh, Kevin Love. <laughs> did you say Kevin Love? Sorry. It faded yeah, out. Kevin Love. Okay. Kevin Love. Kevin um, Love. Darius Garland. Okay. Uh, this is where it's going to get tricky, people. Um, I can't even think of my boy's name, but I know him. He's been on the team. He's been on the team forever, and he's terrible. It's a three. It's a three uh, spot. Um, oh, didn't they just get another big man? Oh, you're talking about the white guy that doesn't belong in the league. Yeah, you know his name. Yeah, Javel McGee. Oh wow. Okay, uh, Jetty. Yeah, that's who I was looking for. Yeah, you can't Jay. Um, who was the number one draft pick? Isaac from Auburn. Can't think of his last name. Isaac Okoro. Okoro, yeah. Yeah, okay. I'm not um, done. I can tell you right now. Let's see if I can get one. Yeah, they, Delhi's back. Oh, yeah. We Delhi's made it a lot farther than I thought we were going to. 
We did, but we ain't going no further. I was about to pick Terrell Brandon in the third round. <laughs> <laughs> that's the best congrats. That's sad. And I'll be honest with you, we probably, when spring training starts, we probably could do the same thing with the Indians as well. <laughs> probably. Do you got one or I'll not? I can go one more. No, I'm done. I'm done. I can cheat, but I'm not. I mean, I know faces, and I know you're going to say somebody that was like, yeah, I knew they had him. Um, let me think. Give me a second. Dude, they haven't played in almost a year, Zach. So. Yeah, I'm out. I'm out. You got another I'll, one? I'll just say this. So, I, I mean, I know Dylan Windler because I'm a college basketball junkie, right? But I only know him in this context because we have a mutual friend in the sports business who like kind of through the process had reached out to me and said, basically Dylan thinks that one of these three teams is going to draft him. Do you have anything to do with the Cavs? And I was like, you know, no, not anymore. And so his rookie year last year, he didn't end up playing, but he came out with Larry Nance Jr. and a couple of other players to Brown's practice and, you know, people know Larry Nance Jr. around here, and he's embraced that he's been a great ambassador, right? So it, I don't want to say a big deal because none of those guys were the star like that OBJ was or Miles was, right? But Dylan was just kind of standing to the side. And so I went up and talked to him and said, hey, you know, so, so I know you because of so-and-so. And he was like, yeah, like he didn't expect that anybody in freaking training camp knew that he was first, even though he's a first round right. pick, right? <laughs> uh, oh, and, and JB, I like Bickerstaff. I do like their coach too. Bickerstaff, I mean, he's, I like it. The one thing I'll give the NBA, and I don't, and, and look, being an NBA head coach is, he paid well. Like Silas, I feel bad for Silas down in Houston, only because I know both of them, they, they got in because of their dads, they worked their way up. They finally get an opportunity, and these, this is the opportunity you give Silas, Stephen Silas. Um, but Bickers, I like Bickerstaff, and I like what he did with the team last year. I do like the two young guards. The, the best chance they got is being an eighth seed. They probably won't happen. Uh, I hope they just get Oh, I disagree. I'm not sure they're going to win many games at all. They're not. They're not. I said the best that can possibly happen is an eighth seed. Oh, so okay. okay. I, mean, I thought like, you said I, this you know, is the I'm best chance they've had. At, well, I guess both could be true. <laughs> Jesus. <laughs> Congrats, congrats to the Cleveland Cavaliers. <laughs> yeah. Yes, congrats and congrats. Um, from what I understand, the next draft is the one you want to be in. So, Really? Yeah. It's a bunch yeah. of wings, isn't it? A bunch of wing players. Yeah, and, and that's what today's game is. So we, we got all sorts of time yeah. to talk about that. So um, um, let, me, let me ask you about the Harden situation. Um, and you know I'm not – and it will, we'll wrap with this. I got to go for our family walk here shortly. Um, I want to say this the right way because you, as you know our podcast we're not to get off our lawn guys too much but I'm going to be that with James Harden right now and I don't want to be they changed that entire franchise for your ass they basically put the ball in your hand and allowed you to do whatever the hell you wanted to do You cha- they changed the whole scenario of what basketball was supposed to be they made it into a, a, a what Deke would call I can't even say the word anymore because I don't want to put deep. <laughs> they put it into a five and eleven under team, basically. They had they had PJ Tucker playing center at six foot six, mm-hmm. and I get you're not happy with management or you're not this, but what kind? Of, and, and you know I don't usually do this, Zach. 
I got no respect for what James Harden is pulling and doing, and I know that the NBA is a player's league. He's turned down a two-year, $100 million contract. And now he's not showing up to camp. And he's at, like, at some point in time, man, enough's enough. It he is. Can be an ass, like you said, about, you said about LeBron perfectly. About once a month, he politically has to step into something and say it the right way or do the right way. And we know LeBron is not perfect. LeBron does what he has to do, too. But for the most part, for 18 years, that kid has said and done it the right way, even when, we, I know, when we both know he's full of shit. But what's happening in Houston right now, that, that's a joke, man. That's a mockery to what professionalism is. Show up. Be a real person. They've traded any and everything. I mean, what else could have Houston done for, for James Harden over the last four seasons? Yes. Hey, star-driven league, and these guys only have so much time, right? And they, they have this window. They, they've earned the power. But to that organization that pays you millions and millions and has allowed you to become that, you have a responsibility of not only professionalism, because that's the baseline, but but leadership, right? right? And right, and it's pathetic. I mean, we we fought about this with with J.R. Smith a few years ago in the Cavs. Yeah, yeah, and I was right. But it's there, but and they replaced him with Dylan Windler. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and that was your win on the day. By the way, the other thing we did not discuss, and we can and we can roll on this. LeBron signed that contract, leaving it open to be teammates or to oppose Ronnie. James, can LeBron put any more pressure on that kid? By the way, you named him after yourself, He's, and now all of a sudden you're like, "I'm gonna sign this contract, take this money," and now at the end of it, yeah. he should be ready to come play with Daddy. From from what because, I like, from what I understand, projections of of Junior making the NBA are a little ambitious, but he's only a sophomore in high school, so um, right, right, right. We'll see. But yeah, you're right. I mean, but, he chose but this. If, but if you own the Cleveland Cavaliers and you got the 20th pick in the draft, and LeBron's a free agent. And your team ain't been worth a crap. And even if you are Dan Gilbert, you and y'all don't like each other, you may draft Bronny just to get two more years of LeBron, <laughs> even at forty. Uh, what a world! What a world! <laughs> you can't even. Go- <laughs> I know it's crazy and it's ridiculous, and I wouldn't buy into it. But you know what? If they had it, I would be at Quicken Loans, Rocket Mortgage, Fuel History, whatever they call it, the Gundarina that day to see that happen. All right, we're going to close on this story. So um, my lovely girlfriend, Mindy, one of the the best and bravest humans on the planet, um, she sometimes, like, asks why I don't talk about her or us on social media or on the podcast. This is a big moment, people. And it's because, like, it's none of anybody else's fucking business. And, like, (laughs) you know, frankly, I've, I've had unpleasant experiences with with people I don't know either getting involved in my personal life or frankly, threatening my family over stuff on Twitter. This is, I'm not going to cry about it. This is reality. So I just choose to go along and Dre says I live in my mom's basement and we, we roll with it. You know, it's a shtick, yeah. right? right. Um, podcasts are new, but sometimes you take an old school radio bit and you ride it till you can't ride it anymore. So for sure. Um, again, she's wonderful. And, um, helps me, you know, when, Dre's not exaggerating when he, he says that I don't know what day or time it is or I'm not available at certain times because I'm not qualified to be an adult, and he's exactly right on those. <laughs> so she helps me along this adulthood process here as I get ready to celebrate my 42nd Christmas on this earth. So um, she has a couple of boys. They're 11 and 9. I think I'll get in trouble if I screw that up. 
and they're sports nerds like us and, and like you guys, and they're great. And, and that's my bonding with them, right, is I throw out obscure facts and trivia, and they, they eat it up, right? And we talk about fantasy football, and we build DraftKings teams for obscure games that only I'm watching. And, you know, like when we were doing the card thing early in the pandemic, like I just found these cards in storage at my parents' house and just gave them to them, and they think it's great, right? So – about a week ago, and I haven't even told this to Dre. So the older one says, uh, hey, I want to show you these cards that I got. And I don't even remember who the other two guys were. I want to say, you know, one of them was like a notable player. And it's, I know nothing about the card business. I, I understand the card business is coming back, Dre, but I don't know anything about it. And it was right. like a notable player. It was a fancy looking card. I don't think it was really worth anything because he had allowed it to get kind of dog-eared. But it was cool. And the other one was like some player that I didn't know. And that doesn't mean this player is not any good. But the third one was this Tyler Naquin card from minor leagues, like a year Tyler Naquin had been drafted or traded for or whatever. And so he says, do you think that if I sent this to the Indians that Tyler Naquin would sign it? And I said, okay. I said, yes. I said, no, I don't know Tyler Naquin, and I don't know if you will, but here's what you do. You know, you make a self-addressed, self-addressed envelope, you put it in, you write a real nice, polite letter, and you say, my name is so-and-so, and I'm a fan, and I would appreciate it if you would do this. And I said, and it would probably be many months from now, but there is at least a chance. And I said, you have to be willing to lose the card. You make sure you put your return address on there, but you give it a shot. And so for like an 11-year-old, this is A, a great project, right? And B, right. it's like an awesome thing. Like he's going through letter writing skills and he's like excited yeah. because he worships these these guys all of them right right so right. he goes about and he does it and he asks me and his mom how he should word the letter and how he should do this and the letter's sitting on the counter for a couple of days he, he looks up the indian's address on his ipad and he's ready to go so he comes home from school last week and he goes out and he's like i, I need to mail this and i said hey buddy i said i know you want to but i said not a big deal Nobody will be back at the Indians building until the end of January at the latest. So I said, whatever. Well, he runs out and, and throws it in the mailbox and puts up the flag. And 15 minutes later, we see the mail truck come away. Well, 15 minutes after that, I get on Twitter and I see Indians non-tender Tyler Naquin. <laughs> well, buddy, welcome. Welcome to your lifetime of disappointment as a sports fan. But uh, he is pretty yeah. pumped about the Browns. Yesterday he was wearing a Mike Bibby jersey to school from Sacramento Ooh. Kings. I mean, I was going to say Arizona Wildcats or Sacramento Kings. I mean, Bibby's uh, I mean, Bibby's high school class in '96, so that's a pretty old jersey. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so I just wanted to tell that story because I thought it was pretty funny, well, and, I, and I hadn't told you that either. Yeah, that's a good one. And I got to finish it off with Zach in typical fashion. He could have just texted me, and I would have texted Tyler, and he could have had this picture signed already. I'm telling you, no matter who Tyler Naquin plays for, that ball, that card will be signed, and I'll get a Tyler Naquin back for a Merry Christmas from, from every Uncle kid. Dre. Every kid needs a Tyler Naquin autograph. There's no doubt about it. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to fandom, son. He don't even play on the team no more. <laughs> oh, 2020. Oh, 2020. <laughs> Thank you guys for listening. It's been a fun hey, one. So congrats to Tyler Naquin on his new opportunities, and congrats, kid. <laughs> You've never seen that card again. <laughs> Konnichiwa To the kids and fandom That's what life's about kid You got nothing to look up to
Oh. Uh, I wish I could say we'd see you Monday at the stadium. I really do. Uh, but instead, we'll just see what happens. Enjoy it, guys. Just savor it. And um, the Dylan Wendler and the Cavs start we'll in two you. weeks. We'll- Talk to you then. Hey, the Cavs play on Monday night, too, by the way. That's- oh, I can't wait. <laughs>